Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Marianne O'Donnell, Chief Administrative Officer of Catholic Charities of Baltimore. Marianne O'Donnell has been working with Catholic Charities since January 1996 when she was hired to direct Sarah's House which is a program that provides emergency and transitional housing and child care for the homeless in Anne Arundel County. After serving in other capacities with the agency in 2014, Mary Ann assumed the position of Assistant Director and Chief Administrative Officer for Catholic Charities in Baltimore. In this role, she oversees advocacy and parish social ministry, communications and marketing, human resources, information technology, mission integration, as well as planning and performance management. Sounds like a busy day. It certainly is, Chris. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Pope Francis said earlier this year that people who don't give money to the homeless because they think they'll spend it on alcohol and not food should ask themselves what guilty pleasures they're spending their uh, money secretly on. He also said that giving to someone in need is always right, and and it should be done with respect and compassion because tossing money and not looking in their eyes is not a Christian way of behaving. What's your reaction to that? Oh, absolutely. I so agree with Pope Francis. For years, one of the things that I have said to all the staff that we work with is for many of the individuals who we see on the street, to them, one of the most important parts of their day is if someone looks them in the eye, says hello, and asks them, how are you? Um, And I think it's really hard sometimes for people to do that because they think if they don't have something to give Mm -hmm. or if they're not going to give, they should just ignore a person. But really, it's about respecting the dignity of the human being and realizing that they are just like me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) really, and I could be in their shoes tomorrow. So giving that thoughtful respect and response and treating them like a human being, I think, is incredibly important. One of the things that I do, I often get, you know, asked by panhandlers, and I don't know if it's just because I look like somebody who might be willing to help, but I'll just say I'm sorry, not today. Right. And that at least is a response. Absolutely. It's not maybe the response they're looking for, but it's a response. Absolutely. And I do the same thing. I say mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't have any money, mm-hmm. um, or I can't give you today, but I always respond to them. That's great. Shortly after the Pope talked about always giving to panhandlers, the Bishop of Providence, Rhode Island, wrote that there are three reasons not to give to panhandlers. You know, first he said, like the Pope, throwing coins at a, at a panhandler without really any compassion demeans that person's human dignity. Second, he said it can be a safety hazard uh, when the panhandler's in the median strip or even in the roadway. Mm-hmm. And then third, he said it enables a few dishonest individuals to prey on the compassion of others, even when they don't have legitimate needs. I know I'm always concerned when I see panhandlers in the street, especially on Martin Luther King Boulevard. There, there are a ton of them in there. I'm worried that one day some, somebody will be really, really badly injured, and so I don't want to support or encourage that. Um, but what do you think of Bishop Tobin's thoughts on not giving to panhandlers? Well, I, I agree with some of his thoughts, but I have a little different view of it. And what I say is giving that dollar or 50 cents that day is really not a long-term approach to solving 
the problem or right. addressing the issue. That's really the bottom line. Yes, there are safety concerns. And yes, you know, there is the thought that if I give this person a dollar, I'm going to have 25 people tomorrow asking me for a dollar. So I always use the approach that I think it's helpful to possibly give someone, I carry snack bags around, so something of food. Sometimes I have gift cards with me or bus passes so that I would give them something like that. But I always try to make sure the understander know where services are. Hmm. Now, sometimes that's tricky because sure. if you don't have some sort of a relationship with a person, they're not always open to that conversation. So I don't do that right away. Hmm. I give them some some item, if it's a snack or a granola bar or something like that, so that I'm sort of beginning to maintain some relationship with them. Mm -hmm. They might begin to know me and I know them. And then there's a magic time where I might be able to say to them, hey, have you ever tried to go to our Daily Bread for services? Mm -hmm. So I, I think you do have to be careful. Safety's always an issue. Sure. But I really do believe what we have to re really remember is that $1 really is probably not going to solve a long-term problem. And you're saying it's not going to create or, or extend that as a long-term problem either. It's it's a drop in the bucket. It is. It's a drop in the bucket. Absolutely. I don't think that dollar either is going to necessarily continue someone to be abusing drugs or alcohol. So mm. either way, it's, it's just a one-time donation to them that who knows what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, years ago, I um, when you talk about that, maybe they don't need it. Maybe they're, you know, the Bishop Tobin's talking about there might be a few dishonest people out there. But a friend of mine told me a long time ago that she said, when it comes to giving money to a panhandler, I can only control what I do. I can control my actions, and that might be given a half a buck or a buck right. or something like that. There, it's on them what they do with it. Absolutely, you know, it's, yes. that's their responsibility. Absolutely, so yeah. That's uh, I, I think something that's always been always kind of stuck in my mind. Right. But one of the most powerful witnesses I ever saw was I was out of town at a conference, and a colleague, um, we you know, panhandler came up to us and asked for some money to, for something to eat, and a colleague said, "I won't give you any money, but there's a convenience store across the street. Let's get you a sandwich and a cup of coffee." Mm -hmm. And and I've tried to emulate that since yes. then because I think that's a just a way of saying you know I'll you want something to eat I'll help you get something to eat mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, and so I I've always thought that was a a good way is that an effective thing to do absolutely I think it is we have I I've done that myself and so it does get the person the immediate need of food or a cup of coffee but you also can begin a conversation with the person mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a lot of what this is all about because you can converse you can ask them some questions you can maybe give them some information if they're ready for it but I, I think it's a perfect way to help the immediate need and I've done that a number of times here in Baltimore when I've been mm -hmm. on the street and I've had cash on me I'd say come on I'll buy you a sandwich or mm -hmm. buy you a cup of coffee yeah why is that conversation so important I think the conversation is important back to the dignity of the individual mm -hmm. and being able to let them know that you you do care about them in a compassionate kind of way and that you don't want them to just be another person walking down the street. Um, but I also think that I, I train my staff all the time. It's our job to be there, be present, provide information when we can, because we never know mm -hmm. when the right day is that someone's going to say, I want to change something today. Mm -hmm. It could be never, it could be two years from now, but we just don't know that. So we always have to be present in that way. Mm -hmm. And when does that, 
how do you help people get to that point where they say, now it's time to make a change? I mean, is there a... Again. There's no magic recipe. Okay. It's it's like your friend said, you know, you just you just never know. You mm-hmm. just never know. So there's no magic recipe, but I just think that being available is the most important thing. And I think that's what the gospel teaches us, to be available mm-hmm. to other people. Um, I, sometimes it's two steps forward and four back for individuals, yeah. you know, because dealing with a lot of the issues that many of um, the, the folks we know who live on the street is not easy. And it's not a recipe to fix it. So um, every situation is different, I imagine. Every situation is different. We don't know. I I feel privileged to have grown up in a background in a community where I had a lot of support. And it was positive support Mm -hmm. for many of the individuals I've come to know on the street. They didn't have that luxury. So they they just they, they can't fathom it because they've never experienced it. So hopefully even my conversation with them might mean something to them in a day. And in a similar way, there's because we've grown up with some privilege, there's no way we can really know what they're going through. Absolutely not. And I never I never pretend to know, oh, I understand or I, I know how you're feeling because I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't. Years ago, uh, when I was working in uh, Phoenix, we had a, a mom and a couple of kids kind of living in a shopping cart mm-hmm. out, you know, at the corner of our where our building was. And uh, one of our my coworkers, who herself had two young children, called the police and said, you know, can't you do something? And they said, not really. No. Mm-hmm. You know, unless she's clearly endangering those children, that's a lifestyle choice. And Absolutely. Like, How could that be a lifestyle choice that you'd live on the street? Yeah. And the police officer said, there's just, there, you can't. You can't control that. No, you know, you can't. And I think what what we have to remember so often is we don't know. We don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going on. We really don't. And we can't make someone do something. We can just be there and we can provide the information. But, you know, it's in their, as you said earlier, it's in their control. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. This is a good time to take a break. After the break, we'll talk more with Marianne O'Donnell about panhandling, homelessness, and most importantly, about the services that our church provides to people who are in need. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore, and this is Chris Gunty. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. The life of Jose Mello was turned upside down three years ago when his brother-in-law was shot and killed and his wife was severely injured by the shooter. Angry at God, Mello was enraged and wanted to take revenge. But then he talked with Redemptorist Father Robert Wojtek, then pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus, Sagrado Corazon de Jesus, in Highland Town. Those conversations over the course of a few months rebuilt Mello's faith, and he was welcomed into full communion with the church at the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday, receiving the sacraments of baptism, First Holy Communion, and Confirmation. After the violence I witnessed, I realize only God is the truth, Mello said. You just have to let yourself go and let God in. For retired Pope Benedict XVI, April 16th was Easter and also his 90th birthday. Friends from Germany celebrated with him, bringing a bit of his homeland, including German beer and pretzels, to the Vatican. Thank you for bringing Bavaria here, he told his guests commenting on the beauty of gathering together under a blue Roman sky with white clouds, colors that he said recalled the white and blue flag of Bavaria. Since the Bavarian-born Pope's birthday fell on Easter Sunday, a small informal party was held the next day outside his residence, the Mater Ecclesiae Monastery in the Vatican Gardens. 
Pope Francis visited his predecessor April 12th, before the start of the Easter Triduum, to offer him birthday greetings. Special guests at the Bavarian party included Monsignor Georg Ratzinger, the retired Pope's 93-year-old brother. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back on Catholic Baltimore and we're talking with Marianne O'Donnell, Chief Administrative Officer of Catholic Charities of Baltimore. Marianne, what are some of the services that Catholic Charities provides to help people who are homeless or just in need? Well, I would start with saying that we offer meal service, and we offer meal service in a number of locations in, in uh, downtown Baltimore. Our Daily Bread and my sister's place in Weinberg are the primary locations. And we have always taken the approach that we use food as an entree to other services. Mm -hmm. So obviously, people can eat in any of those programs, no questions asked, no matter who they are. They can come in, they can have a hot meal. And that hope is that then they can understand what other services are available to them. Case management services, assistance with employment, assistance with housing. All of those things are available in all of those programs. Mm -hmm. um, so we hope that, that individuals will come in and get to know us and will develop a relationship with a staff member or they'll walk down the hall and find out what is available to them. The other thing that we do is we can do a very simple assessment of what benefits they're eligible for. And if they're eligible for something they didn't realize they were eligible for, we can apply right online for them, for many of them. Oh, that's great. So the old food stamp program, which is now called um, something different, but that's what mm -hmm. people know it as, they can get you know, food stamps and we can help them do that pretty quickly. We do have a very uh, small service of providing emergency assistance in the way of cash for um, gas and electric turnoff mm -hmm. or evictions. That cash is very, very limited and it, as you can imagine, goes very quickly. And mm -hmm. some of the, the funding is uh, particularly for certain zip codes, so not right. everybody is eligible for and it. Do you hand that cash to the person or you pay the, the no, electric pay bill the electric or the gas bill, bill or the gas bill and, okay. and they can receive that service over at my sister's place through the Samaritan Center okay so we we try to provide as much of that direct help and connection to other services and benefits as we possibly can and our daily bread has not missed a day in 36 years now almost absolutely almost 36 years yeah. never missed a day of serving food yeah so that's I mean to know that that is always there no yes. matter what rain shines right. foot and a half of snow doesn't matter 
there's That's going to be right. volunteers at the, our daily bread to hand out that noonday meal. Absolutely. And the noonday meal is a hot meal and it's usually a substantial meal. Mm-hmm. And um, for people who may not know, our daily bread is not your two, your typical soup kitchen where you walk through a line. You are served there because this is back to our our hospitality mm-hmm. approach where we want people to be touched by four or five people while they're at that meal. Someone who serves them the meal, someone who serves them a beverage, someone who serves them bread. And there's once again, some sort of an interaction, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners who don't know, where is our daily bread located? At, our daily bread is 425 Falls Way. Okay. Right at the sort of end of the Jones Fall Expressway there. Great. Great. Now, an observant person can probably recognize the same person hanging out at the same location every day, panhandling, uh, day after day, week after week. Are there enough spaces in Maryland shelters to house everybody who's homeless? Uh, is everybody who's a panhandler homeless? And if, if there are enough spaces, why do some people just refuse to live in a shelter? Well, first of all, there are several factors here. One, there are is not enough housing in shelter or even subsidized housing uh, for everyone who might need it in Baltimore. That's a fact. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is probably not every panhandler is homeless. There probably are a large number or large percentage who are, but there are others who may be working, uh, not making very much money, so they don't have enough money to pay for some of their expenses, including food. so those factors are there. And then there's a third factor, which is a number of individuals who we have worked with for years have been offered the opportunity to stay in housing or offered services, but they've chosen not to take them. And that could be for several reasons. For for many um, folks, they've stayed in shelters and have not particularly felt comfortable with the environments. Mm-hmm. Shelters are not the easiest place to live in for right. many reasons. Um, they prefer to crash on a friend's couch than than live in a shelter. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for some individuals, just how they were brought up, what kind of environments they lived in, um, may not have been safe, uh, may not have been the best environment for them to, to thrive in. So they're keeping that in their mind and might be saying to themselves, being out on the street is a better um, option, and then uh, and the third thing is, you know, we have a number of individuals who do struggle with substance use. They struggle with mental illness. They struggle with dual diagnoses of both, and it it's hard for them to make some of the decisions that we might think would be easy, and they're sure. not. Sure, they're they're just not. So it's back to what I said earlier. I just always have this philosophy. I never know when that person is going to want to make a choice. So the continual connection and and trying to walk with them in whatever way that I can is incredibly important because one day, and I've seen this happen. We have seen this happen with, with some of the clients we've worked with that one day they finally said, yes, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I want to take this opportunity. I want to take this housing. I want to go into this employment program. So when when you see it and you know it can happen, it keeps you going. Right. Based on your experience of people with need, what's the best way to react to a panhandler? What's what's the most effective? Kind of walk us through that encounter. Well, I do think the most effective way is to to acknowledge the person in some way. Although I I do think um, 
safety and security always has to be foremost in our minds. Sure. So depending on where you are and how comfortable you feel, you you need to take a, a sort of a barometer check on yourself because for some individuals that's not an okay interaction. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's important to be aware of that and know yourself up front. Um, and there are sometimes some, some individuals can get aggressive. So you need to be careful when, when you see or experience or come in contact with an aggressive panhandler um, of knowing that and being prepared yourself. Are you going to call 911? Are you going to keep walking? What are you, what are you going to do? Um, to me, the, the, the at least connection or the conversation or the acknowledgement can de-escalate a person. Where if you start getting into some sort of an argument or a discussion, or, or um, it can escalate a person. So you right. have to sort of balance that. But I, I do think you have to be aware of you yourself and, and how comfortable you feel and where you are and who you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. You've talked about giving a little bit of cash protein bar, granola bar, piece of fruit maybe if you've got it, uh, those kinds of things. Um, what about gift cards? I mean, if you've got a gift card to a sandwich shop or something like that, I mean, is that is that helpful? I, yeah, I think that can be helpful. I, I just want to clarify, I personally do not necessarily advocate giving out much in the way of cash. I think, you know, to me, I, I don't do that, and I usually discourage that from people. But the food items or toiletry items or sometimes I'll carry some gift cards like to 7-Eleven or Subway mm -hmm. and, and, and might give those out. Um, you just you have to really know a little bit about where you are and who you're interacting with, uh, you know, on a regular basis. But I think a gift card is certainly better than giving out the cash. Yeah. We've got a little bit of time left. Tell us how people can support Catholic Charities. I know you obviously take cash donations, Absolutely. but there's you've got how many volunteers helping throughout the, the, the agency? Oh, I think last year we had about 1,600 volunteers. That's so, phenomenal. I mean, at, at the, our pro, the programs that I mentioned earlier where we serve a meal every day and other services, I mean, most of those programs, we have 30 to 40 volunteers a day who work helping us to serve those meals and provide those services. And without them, we would never be able to do it. And so, there are many parishes that, that make casseroles and things like that for the program. Right? Absolutely. I was just going to say that. The, the food that's served is all donated for the most part. Usually casseroles that are baked through parishes, we could never buy all that food that we get in donations from our parishes. So we're always looking to, to get some new parishes connected either by providing the casseroles or coming to volunteer. And I think it's every volunteer who I ever talk to say they certainly have gained more than they feel they have given because they've been able to really understand people in a whole different way and experience people's humanity. And I think they, they just say, I, I, I gain so much more than I give. But I do think it's a, you know, a very much an, a, an equal for us because what they give to us is incredibly important for us to be able to provide all of these services. So, and you know, sometimes a, a lot of school groups, because there are age limits on some of the volunteering, make sandwiches and, and, and uh, make hot dog and baked bean casseroles in their churches and bring it in. So that's a, a way to begin to involve younger folks in understanding, um, the, you know, the plight of some people in poverty. And we will come out and 
you know, do some conversations with them as they're preparing or do some debriefing after. So we'd like to really be involved because we think that education piece is very important too. Great. Well, thank you. We've been talking with about panhandling and homeless with Marianne O'Donnell, Chief Administrative Officer of Catholic Charities of Baltimore. If you want to help, visit catholiccharities-md.org. That's catholiccharities-md.org, where you can donate or volunteer and get lots more information. This is Chris Gunty, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.